Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parsha Toldos, and this is the famous parasha in which Rivka and Itzhak have their children. It's their progeny, it's a, a, a set of twins, Asaph and Yaakov. And today I'm gonna talk about Asaph and what is the characteristic of a wicked person. And so the Shem Mishmuel, he teaches us that much of this uh, parasha is, is cons it, it's, it's, it, it's concerned with the relationship between Yaakov and Esav. So we know these two twins are born. One is uh, the firstborn is Esav. He's, he's born uh, hairy and he looks like a man. He has teeth. He's like a complete person. And then we know that Yaakov comes after him and he is a man of, of Torah, of learning in yeshiva. Uh, Esav is a man that grows up to be uh, a hunter, uh, he likes women, he likes parties, he likes to drink, he likes to kill. So we see the difference between these two brothers and at the end of the Sidra, after the incident of the blessings uh, in which uh, Esav, because he was the firstborn, he was supposed to to receive this very special braha, this very special blessing from his father, Isaac, uh, And uh, at the end, uh, he is, um, we can say he is uh, a, a tricked by Rivka and Yaakov. And Yaakov comes in dressed as, uh, as Asaf. He puts on all these uh, all these furs on top of him so the father thinks it's the brother the father Isaac is blind and he cannot see who this person is and at the end he blesses Yaakov with the blessing that was supposed to go to his brother and this is the animosity of these two brothers since uh, since since this moment Yaakov has to flee, he has to leave his house because the brother wants to kill him. And we see from this parasha, we learn a lot about sibling rivalry and hatred and uh, good versus evil. And we, we see that Asaph is, um, felt that he should have received the, this primary blessing from his father, but had instead been cheated by Yaakov. He was cheated by the brother and he was extremely upset and Yaakov and resolved to kill him for this, for his theft of this blessing. And while Yaakov fled from the brother's wrath, Asaph found himself in a new, he went and he found himself a new wife. So the, the, the Pasuk in Bereshit reads, Asaph saw that the daughters of Canaan were wicked in the eyes of Isaac, his father, and Asaph went to Ishmael and took as a wife Machlas, the daughter of Ishmael, the son of Abraham, the sister of Nebaios, in addition to his wives. So what happened here? He sees that he's tricked, the blessing is given to the brother, and he comes and he says, what's the first thing he does? He goes and he gets a new wife. Why? Because he feels that the wives that he has that are the, from the land of Canaan, which are considered evil women, were the, 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 the guilty ones for him for losing this blessing. So this is the first uh, uh, 
tipping point of a, of a person that is not in the right way, he's not thinking straight, when a person something goes wrong in his life and he's faulting fault, looking for faults in other people, it's, it's because of them, it's because of them, it's because of them, it's not because of my own wrongdoing, it's their fault. And here we see that this is one of his characteristics, that he doesn't recognize that he has a faulty character. So instead of looking within himself and saying, okay, I have a problem with my character, there's something wrong with me, I have to become a better human being, I have to really work on this character trait, he starts pointing fingers and he goes and he gets married to this new wife, which comes from uh, Ishmael, who was actually his uncle, he was the half-brother of Isaac, and he thought, okay, this comes from our home, this is from our home, and this is gonna be my solution. So, it is understood that if events do not go exactly as planned in one's life, then a person that is a person that is in a growth uh, mentality, a person that is trying to be a better human being every day, he's gonna look at his actions and, and assess them and say, okay, I have this faulty character trait, I'm gonna try to work on this. But we see that uh, Asaph was a person that didn't look at life this way. He, did, he was beyond, this was beyond his comprehension. He was a person that never saw that he did anything wrong. And so he was thoroughly wicked and could not imagine that anything he could possibly have done could have caused him his, his misfortune. And he thus looked outside himself to re re rectify the situation. So, okay, we have a problem. It's an external problem. The problem is the women. So let's get a wife from the family. And this is what he did. And, um, and we see that this catastrophic, catastrophic character defect, like today they would call them narcissists. But you see they exist since the times of Asaph. The inability to even consider that one has a flaw. Like he could, ne he, he, he thought he was a perfect human being. I'm a perfect person. I have no faults of my own. All the problems of the world are not because of me, it's because of her or her or her. You know, now that we're going through this um, a surge in anti-Semitism, there's this rhetoric, the world's problems are the Jews' fault. We are the victims, they're the oppressors. This, this rhetoric really is very, is very um, similar to that way of thinking of Asaph. People don't become responsible for their actions. They don't become responsible for their problems in life. They think that all the problems in life, it's the fault of this one, or the fault of this one, or the fault of this one, and then they have the, all these scapegoats and they don't rectify their faults. So we see that in the name of Asaph, his name, uh, we can see this characteristic. Uh, we see that the name Asaph has the same letters and it's the basic meaning as the word Asu, made completed. It means Asu means a completed, uh, something that is complete. And this indicates that Asaph was a man who felt no need for self-improvement whatsoever. His same name said it. He was perfect and complete. So he never saw that he was faulty. He never saw that there was something wrong with him. And indeed the gematria of the name of Asaph is 376. The, the gematria is the numerical value of the Hebrew letters that compose this name. 
which is the same numerical value, the same gematria as the, as the word shalom. And the word shalom means peace and wholeness. It means something that is complete also. When a person is at peace, he feels whole. So he was completely at peace with his characteristics. He was completely at peace with his character traits. He had no problem. He could not feel that there was anything wrong with him. And he did not and could not feel the discord that every normal human being, like a person that is normal, that is healthy in his head, realizes oh, I have a problem. Maybe I'm not patient enough. Maybe I'm not humble enough. I, maybe I have to learn to control my anger or I have to control this or I have to learn to be more like this. Uh, you know, a person that is healthy in his head is a person that can always is always trying to better himself. So it comes to say in Bereshit and Rabbah, and Asaph came from his hunting Asaph was armed to entrap his soul. And it's not entirely clear whose soul it's talking about here. And the Midrash suggests that it is Yaakov's soul. He came to entrap Jacob's soul, which Asaph was intending to trap. And at this stage, before we, he knew that he had been usurped by his brother, Asa believed that he could have everything. He would eventually ensnare and eliminate Yaakov and remain the chosen son, inheriting everything both spiritual and physical from his father. He wanted everything. He didn't want to share anything. He didn't want a two-state solution. He didn't want to share the wealth with the brother. The brother was a nuisance to him because he couldn't share anything with him. He wanted everything. And so because he wanted everything, he had to get rid of the brother. So, but then when we entered his father's room and discovered that Yaakov had already been there and that the father had given him the braha, the blessing, his world fell apart because Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Like, I was supposed to get this blessing. Now my brother got everything, and I'm left with nothing. So we see that, um, that, that uh, at that moment, Asaph should have realized that he was at fault. Okay, you know what? There's something wrong with me. And this, and this calamity had fallen him through his own personal deficiencies. Instead, instead, as we have said, he turned not to himself but to his family, for in his mind, and the problem must be originated with them and not with him. And so indeed, when Asaph remarried, his calculation was quite careful, and he reasoned that he must have made an error in wedding the daughters of Canaan, for they were forever cursed. This is in Bereshit. And this error must have caused his misfortune. So he thought, my problem is not me. My problem is my wives. And so he turned instead to his uncle Ishmael and went and looked for this uh, daughter of his and married her. We know that Asaph intended to kill Yaakov and perhaps was confident that Yaakov would be spiritually damaged 
by his encounter with Lavan. So we know from here that Rivka, at this point in the parasha, Rivka, a very shrewd woman, she, she, she was very intelligent. She could sense this. And she said to, his, to her son, Yaakov, now you have to go away. You have to leave the house. You have to go and go to my brother Lavan and look for a wife there. And so this uh, Lavan, Rivka's brother, was also very evil. He was not a good person. He was very, very bad. And uh, this Asaph, in his, in his head, he says, oh, he's going to be ruined by living in this place. He's not going to keep up with being the tzaddik that he is. He's going to be ruined. So it is intriguing to know that Asaph did not even divorce his existing wives. Like you would think, okay, if the wives are the problem, divorce them. But he didn't even get rid of them. So as we see, the Torah indicates that Asaph married Machlas in addition to his existing Canaanite wives. And we see here that, um, that above that, he hated, he, that Isaac, his father, hated these wives. And the only fault that Asaph could find in them was that, that their yichus, their, 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 their progeny, like where did they come from? My father's not happy with these wives because they don't come from good families. Uh, he thought this was a problem. So he went and looked for a wife that came from a good family. But this was not really the problem. So let's look at uh, the contrast with Yaakov. And the Shemishmuel, he states that uh, Yaakov actually was completely the opposite to Esav. And the name Yaakov means heel. And if you look, the, 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 the lowest part of your body is your heel. It's the lowest part and it's also the strongest because it holds the whole body up. But it's the lowest part of the body. And he was named this way because when he came out from the womb, he was holding Asaph's heel. And that's why this was the name that was given to him. And so he imagined himself as a heel, a lowly person. Yaakov, in his eyes, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. I have a lot to achieve in my life. There's so much I have to learn. There's so much I have to come to, to rectify in my character traits. He was a humble human being. He didn't see himself like Asaph, who saw himself like a complete human being. Like, okay, I don't have anything to change of myself. I'm perfect. I was born perfect. I'm perfect. I don't need to do anything about my characteristics. But Yaakov, on the other hand, he saw himself like in a low way. He didn't, it's not like a lack of self-esteem, but it's a, it's humility. It's seeing that, okay, I'm not there yet. I still have a lot of, of growth to achieve in my life. And so we see that he was always um, ready to better himself, to, to, to self-improve himself. And Hassal, the sages teach us in Berahot, Anyone who refers to Abraham as Abraham, his original name, has transgressed a positive commandment. So we know from previous uh, parasha that at the beginning, Abraham was Abraham and Sarah was Sarai. And before they conceived, Isaac Hashem added a hate to each one of the names and they became Abraham and Sarah. So their spiritual status also changed. So it is a, a, a transgression of the Torah. If I'm going to teach you about Abraham, to call him Abraham or Sarah instead of Sarah. But here, 
it, the, the, the sages say that when you refer to Yaakov as Yaakov, you're not, you're, and, and, and we see, we're going to see in the future that he wrestles against the angel of Esav. And when he re wrestles against this angel, a new name is added to Yaakov, which is the name of Israel. And so we see in the Torah readings in the future that sometimes it's Yaakov and sometimes it's Israel. It's not a transgression to go from Yaakov to Israel because it, the later name Israel is a name that, that denotes that he conquered, that he conquered. He conquered his animalistic nature. He was able to go above and beyond his nature and he was able to rectify himself. So whenever you read Yaakov in the Torah, it represents the Yaakov that is growing, the one that is uh, in self-improvement mode. And when you read in the Torah and it mentions him as Israel, then it's mentioning a person that has achieved that. So while the name Yaakov means heal, the name Israel derives its meaning from striving with God, men, and prevailing. It is a name which indicates that Yaakov had achieved very, very great success in all of his endeavors. And, and, and the Shem Mishmuel says that his father, his holy father, who was the first Sokatover Rebbe, Abraham Borenstein, he says that he explains this uh, Hassan in a very interesting way. And he says to me that even after Yaakov became Israel, he still saw himself as a heel. Even though he achieved, in his eyes, he was not content. He, there was always something more that he had to, to come to achieve. He was not a, a finished product. And this is the way that we have to view ourselves in life. You can be, I have a, a student, I teach, she's 90 years old. She's 90 years old. She's not a finished product. This is a woman that's striving to every day grow and grow and grow more in her character traits. She's learning, she's growing spiritually. She's not done, she's not a finished product. We're, we're not finished products. That's not the point of life. This is not the point. The point of life is to strive to always reach a new potential. You're never gonna be able to reach your full potential because once you come to one, a new potential arrives. So even if you become the greatest human being on earth, there's always more room to grow. There's, it's infinite. It's infinite, it has no end, like Hashem. So we see that um, he was still prepared to realize that the continued self-assessment and development was the only way to a meaningful existence. And while in God's eyes and the eyes of those around him, Yaakov was now Israel, in his own eyes, he remained firmly Yaakov. And so there is a great message here. This is really unbelievable that this parasha comes today at this time in, in, in the moment that we are. And it's that we must take to heart the difference between Yaakov's existence and the existence of Asaph. We have to really learn from this, that his Asaph's inherent downfall was his refusal, his inability to appreciate that when life didn't work out as he wanted, he didn't self-examine himself. He didn't look within himself that maybe I need to change something inside of me so something outside can change too. But if I keep being the person I am, if you, if you don't change, nothing changes. And this is the, the message here. 
And so Yaakov, our role model, realized that this ability to scrutinize one's actions and change accordingly is a key to a be beautiful, valuable life. This is the key, that we're not perfect. Yes, we messed up, we've done boo-boos, uh, we, we pick up, we repent, we continue. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. We can always rectify everything. Thank, thank God, this is the gift God gave us. God gave us the gift of rectification, of teshuva. And, and, and this is a world of tikkun. This is the world of, perf of perfecting the world, of, of, of taking what is not okay and making it better. And so if we live our lives with this in mind, we're, we're always going to be growing and, and flourishing and, and, and bringing new energy to the world. We're always going to make everything around us beautiful because our conscious and our awareness is in not what the world is doing to me, is what can I do for the world. Is Hashem is not doing anything to me. He's doing it for me. I'm here to, to learn. I'm here. I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm a, a person that is being educated in this world. We come to learn. And in the way, we perfect our surroundings. So I want to wish you a blessed, blessed week. We just entered the month of Kislev, the month of light and miracles and, and victory, that we should have a beautiful, beautiful month in which we shine even brighter. We bring more light to the world. And uh, in this way, we live a little higher. Thank you.